Step three. Got it! Oh, how good is Steph Curry? On one, James. Oh, you LeBron drops the anvil. Marines with the defense. It's time for Under the Hood Basketball Pod with Jay Hood. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood with John the Hood podcast. I am Jay Hood. We're at the All Star break. And you know how I do it. I love breaking down the NBA with you. It's a great time to talk about the Bulls and also the second half of the NBA. So I will give you my thoughts in the East and the West and, of course, the Hall of Famers that are going in. And we'll talk about that and more in this edition of Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. But first, I'll give you what's on my mind. And we start off first with the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls are 26-29. and 29. They're in the ninth seed right now at the All-Star break. I'm interested to see how exactly the stretch run will go for the Chicago Bulls. Here's some good, and here's some questionable about the Chicago Bulls. First of all, Kobe White has been the story of the first half. Kobe White has been able to really score the ball well, and I really love the story of Kobe White because Kobe comes into this situation as a starter for this team. There's no Lonzo Ball. And people think, okay, Kobe White coming off the bench now, he's going to get more playing time. Kobe White has proved a lot of people wrong, including yours truly, because Kobe White was an underachieving combo guard that was good but not sensational. He has been able to take the ball and run with it for the Chicago Bulls team. With Zach Levine being out for the rest of the season, the Bulls have been able to ride the coattails of Kobe White. I never thought I'd ever say that sentence, but that's exactly what's happened with Kobe White and the Chicago Bulls team. Think about the combination of Kobe White as well as DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is setting up Kobe White very well. Kobe White and DeMar DeRozan, when DeRozan is able to be out there, he's providing 5.7 assists for the Chicago Bulls, which is just amazing. Ayodisumu also coming off of injury. 14 three-pointers the last three games. He's shooting 41% from three. That is the highest on the Chicago Bulls team. Vucevic and Drummond on the floor, also a positive for the Chicago Bulls team. When you get two bigs on the floor at the same time, that's paying dividends for the Bulls because you have some high-low action with Drummond with his ability to rebound, shot block, and also get easy baskets. And then Vucevic from the outside. It's been really, really good. Also, I want to point out something else, too, about the Bulls that a lot of, not a lot of people know. Kobe White and DeMar DeRozan, they lead the NBA in minutes. We usually look to the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau for that stat, saying, okay, who's got the lead as far as minutes played? Kobe White and DeMar DeRozan has put up a lot of minutes and put a lot of mileage on those legs and their feet uh, for the Chicago Bulls team. And again, they're just 26 and 29. So there's 27 games to go for the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls, unfortunately, are closer to the 11th seed than they are the 6th seed. And so with no Zach Levine, again, the offense has been wide open for the DeSumos and for the Kobe Whites of the world. But I wonder about how the Bulls can fare, especially with Patrick Williams being out. Hey, we've seen the Bulls win without Zach Levine. I'm not saying that he's expendable. I'm just saying that the Bulls have been able to open up the offense without Zach. But Patrick Williams is being out. I look forward to seeing when he comes back. And also, uh, Alex Caruso has been in and out of the lineup. We know how crucial that Alex Caruso is to the Chicago Bulls team. You think about it. When Caruso's out there, you may not look at the box score, but if you do look at the box score and say only had five points, only had six points, he only went to the final line a couple times. No, 
Actually, he is a real catalyst out there. And if you believe in plus minus, Caruso is on the positive end of things, especially when the Bulls win, because he does the little things. And I think that every team needs to have an Alex Caruso, a guy that's not worried about 20 shots, a guy that's not, that's not worried about trying to be out there for 40 minutes a game. He's just trying to be out there as long as he can, as long as he's healthy, to try to help the, foot, the uh, basketball team. Think about this. Whether he is initiating offense, whether he's playing off the ball, whether he is defending the best player on the opposition. You know, I really like what I see from Alex Caruso in that regard. So hats off to him. So I, I just have to tell you, with Art Carney, Arturis Karnaschovas in that press conference when we got to the trade deadline, it is absolutely basketball malpractice. Basketball malpractice. The idea that he continued to say, we have to stay competitive. We have to stay competitive. This is what we want to do. Just be competitive. You do realize it's been 30 months of inactivity by the Bulls when it comes to the trade deadline. No big deals, no big splashes, no major changes, no seismic shift to the Chicago Bulls. 30 months of inactivity. How does a general manager, a basketball operations guy, continue to hold on to his job when you've had 30 months of inactivity? It is gutless. It is dormant. And is the Karnaschovas way and the Reinsdorf way. I blame Karnaschovas, but I also blame Michael Reinsdorf. He was given the keys to the castle, the Chicago Bulls, an iconic franchise that continue to sell out one of the top teams, if not the best team in attendance in the NBA. But yet you take the fans for granted. I cannot stand that as a fan myself. The idea that you are here and you're in Chicago in a major city and you don't even question or wonder why your general manager hasn't made any moves that just standing still is good enough for the Chicago Bulls fan. The house that Jordan built, the house that Pippen built, six championships in eight years, but yet somehow, some way, that's good enough. I just think that that's deplorable. It, it really is. It's really horrendous how the Bulls are being run. It is a miracle that they're 26 and 28 without any stars on the team. They don't have any stars in the team, but yet they're still trying to stay into the playoff race. It's almost like Billy Donovan and the Bulls are doing what they can despite Arturis Konarshovis and his inactivity. It's just uh, amazing. But again, there's good and there's some questionable with this Bulls team, but this is where they are. They're in a position right now that they could be in the playoffs again, but what does that really mean? Here's what really holds the Bulls back. It's a lack of talent, that is for sure, as far as superstar talent. But two numbers I just want to give you. I'm not going to just drown you with numbers. But there's two things, Bulls fans, that you got to listen to. 23rd in free throw attempts. 23rd in, field in free throw attempts. So the Bulls are not going to the basket enough to draw fouls. They're not doing that. They are a jump shooting team. And they have to almost play perfect basketball every night to be able to win games. So 23rd in, field in free throw attempts is not good enough. The other thing is when you're 21st in offense in this league, um, when you're in the bottom third, that just won't get it done. It, it just won't. It is good for certain games that the Bulls have played where they've showed what they can do against Minnesota and some of the upper echelon teams. But when it comes down to it, when you're 21st in offense, that is just not going to be great for the long haul. So the Bulls are what they are as a basketball team. At times they show glimpses. They play hard, which I really appreciate. And without Zach Levine on the floor, this Bulls team finds a way to be able to get open looks and they get baskets and the, the ball moves side to side and it doesn't stick on one side of the floor when Zach is there. This is not saying that Zach's a bad player. I'm just, just saying that 
the way the Bulls operate with Zach Levine on the floor is not conducive for team basketball to be successful with this Bulls team. All right, let's go to the top three. I've always got three things that's on my mind. That's my opening salvo on the Chicago Bulls. All I ask you to do, guys, is like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're listening on the Cap and J Hood feed, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. As I always give you NBA or basketball content right here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Number one. We're going to take a look at the Western Conference for the first half of the season. What I'm looking forward to in the second half for the Western Conference. Okay. So before we begin to the Lakers, I got to give props and shout us out to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Edwards, as well as Mike Conley. When I look at this Timberwolves team, I saw that they have won, had 12 wins by at least 20 points or more. They've had 18 road wins, which is huge in the league. When you can win games on the road and win handily with a lot of these games on the road, hats off to the Timberwolves, the best team in the Western Conference, in my view. So Minnesota's a team to watch. How sustainable it is? I think it is sustainable when you got two bigs like Cat and Gobert, and then Edwards is a blooming superstar in this league. The L.A. Clippers, here's my advice to you. If you're going to bet the Clippers, especially for them to win the championship, do not take the cheese. Do not take the cheese. We have been there and done that with the Clippers before. You and I have thought this is the year for the Clippers. They're going to be able to come through. And the problem with the Clippers is they have trouble with teams with size. Uh, Minnesota has beaten the Clippers twice. Kawhi Leonard is healthy, and it's great to see Kawhi out there being able to do some great things for the Clippers offensively. Paul George is healthy, and that's great. And they've had a really successful regular season so far, but do not take the cheese for the long haul. Their problems with size is going to be a problem in a playoff scenario for the Clippers, so don't bet them for like the championship because it's just not happening. One of the other great stories in the Western Conference is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Really like what I see there from Shea Gilgis-Alexander. This dude has had 30 points or more in 39 straight games. Oh, he is a special player. If you have, not, if you have the package and you have not watched Oklahoma City, you are really missing out on a really good team led by Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Think about the, uh, uh, the amount of points that he puts up is amazing. And it seems easy when he's on the floor. The Oklahoma City Thunder is 28-10 when he is on the floor, when he's playing. So, hey, the Thunder, a great story for sure in the first half and even better in the second half. How about the Nuggets, the NBA champions? Well, they should be able to be healthier here in the second half because I think they ran out of gas. Uh, they're going to need Caldwell Pope to get healthy for this team, but I think they should be a better team that we've seen uh, in, the, uh, in the second half. The champs, will they repeat? I don't think so, but they need to get healthy and get uh, right for them to go for the stretch run. And we got to leave off the West. We can't leave until we talk about the Western Conference play-in champions, Los Angeles Lakers. So, of course, it's All-Star Weekend, and there's always going to be conjecture about where the stars could go in the offseason. So in Indianapolis, the scuttlebutt is LeBron James. Could he stay in Los Angeles next year? Like this offseason, will he stay in L.A.? Well, LeBron's already said on Saturday that he feels like he could finish his career in Los Angeles. We will see about that. 
However, we did read a story a few days ago from ESPN and other sources, The Ringer and other places, that the Golden State Warriors, they were had like an inquiry about LeBron James. They were wondering, what if LeBron James came to Golden State? Well, you know what would happen with that, right? If that happened, that means that Klay Thompson would be off the team and others to fit LeBron James on the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I know LeBron is all about optics and all that, but, I mean, if he's chasing a championship, don't chase it at Golden State because that faucet is turned off. But ultimately, I just want to just point out just one other thing before we go to Golden State. So LeBron James and Austin Reeves and Anthony Davis and Rui Hachimura, um, they are solid, I would say, four-man, you know, with James and Reeves and Davis and Hachimura. I think that they're solid, but I just don't think that that's good enough for them to be able to get over the hump in the Western Conference. I mean, I, LeBron James is 39 years of age. This should be Anthony Davis's team. That's all we should be talking about is Anthony Davis because he's the guy that's supposed to be the face of this team, and it's just kind of muddling along. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just muddling along. Let me get to Golden State before we get to the Eastern Conference. So to me, this is the beginning of the end for the Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson came off the bench recently, but he came off the bench against Utah and scored 35 points. We're seeing an eroding star in Klay Thompson that is not very good from three based on the numbers. You know he has a motor. You know he has a will to win. The thing is, though, the numbers are not there for Klay Thompson. So Steve Kerr put him on the bench. Podzeminski was ahead of him coming off the bench. So you think about that. You think about Wiggins and Kaminga, as well as Steph Curry and Draymond Green. They played with Podzeminski, and then Clay came off the bench. Well, Clay stuck it up Steve Kerr's ass because he did score 35. So, I mean, maybe that lights a fire, but I just know that this year has not been great for uh, Clay Thompson. Eroding superstar, yeah, you could say that. It happens to the best of players where they just are not at the top of their game. Maybe this can help Clay in the second half of the season, but it. I mean, he even came off the bench for the first time since he was a rookie. He was not happy about that. All right, Jay Moore. Number two. Let's go to the Eastern Conference, and that is the Boston Celtics. Perzingis, 25 points, four of the last five games. So I know there's so much talk about Tatum and Brown and Holiday and Horford and White on this team, but Perzingis being healthy is a catalyst for this Boston Celtics team. 25 points for the last five games. Perzingis has been very soft for the Celtics. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Why can't they win the East? Why can't they do it this time? I mean, there's not a rock in their shoe like the Miami Heat that can knock them out this time. I really believe that Boston could be able to go away and win the Eastern Conference championship again this season. Another team in the East that we got to keep our eyes on is the New York Knicks. Oh, if you have a Knicks fan... Uh, that's in your family, or if you're a Knicks fan yourself, you're listening to this, let me tell you, hats off to you, because Tom Thibodeau's got this team cooking. Jalen Brunson finally gets to to be an all-star. He's an all-star in Indianapolis, which is really cool. They make the deal for Ananobi, which is great. Hartenstein is a guy that is really a kind of a Swiss Army knife big guy that can do a lot of different things. It's it's a Thibodeau type of player too, Hartenstein, because I know that that might not sound like a star to you, but watch the games and watch the little things that Hartenstein does for this team. So the Knicks 
are are a solid team and they're not just a joke or a rumor anymore. They're playing really good basketball. And so I look forward to seeing what this looks like when they are fully healthy in the second half of the season. The Cavs with Donovan Mitchell as well as Jared Allen, uh, Levert, and Max Struess. The Cavs have been playing some really uh, fantastic basketball for Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell, we already knew he was a star when he was at Utah. But now I think that uh, this healthy Cavs team – is going to have something to say. Imagine the Cavs being in the top four and the Bulls are still standing still where they are. It's amazing when you take a big swing what happens. Uh, Donovan Mitchell leading this Cavs team. And we've got to get to the Milwaukee Bucks. Fear the deer? Nothing to fear with the Milwaukee Bucks. Fear the deer? I mean, Doc Rivers, now that he's taking over the Milwaukee Bucks, they're three and seven. Three and seven. I want you to think about this, ladies and gentlemen, because the Milwaukee Bucks are supposed to be one of the top teams, not just in the East, but all of basketball. And I really pin a lot of this on Giannis Antetokounmpo, and here's why. Giannis is the leader of this team. Giannis had a problem with Adrian Griffin, the former head coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm not saying that Giannis is a coach killer, but Giannis and I think Bobby Portis and others led the charge to get Griffin out of there. And so here comes Doc Rivers, who was someone that was looking around the Bucks organization and filing reports with the Bucks organization as someone who was um, kind of an extended scout. While he was still doing games for ESPN and ABC, they were asking Doc Rivers, the Bucks management was, asking, what do you think of the team? What do you think of the team? And Doc gave his two cents. Adrian Griffin was fired, and Doc Rivers became the head coach. Here's one thing about Doc Rivers that no one's talking about. Doc Rivers does have a championship, but Doc Rivers is the Mike McCarthy of NBA coaches. Mike McCarthy won one championship with the Green Bay Packers and may never win another one again. Again, you, t you don't take the championship away. I mean, hey, it's amazing, right? I mean, nothing wrong winning the NBA championship if you're Doc Rivers. But the point is, though, is that that's it for Doc. That's it for Doc. Doc Rivers has lost so many games, his teams, in six games and in seven games. And to me, it is a shame because he's coached a lot of talent but can never get talent over the hump beside that one championship with the Boston Celtics. And I want to make sure it's very clear. I'm not taking anything away from Doc Rivers and his ability to coach through the regular season and to a certain level in the playoffs. But the idea that he comes in with the Milwaukee Bucks and, the, and somehow, some way, this team's underachieving with all this talent. This is a talented team with Giannis and Chris Middleton, who shut it down for whatever reason. He's not the same player for whatever reason this season. And Damian Lillard and all the other uh, players on this team, for the Milwaukee Bucks to underachieve like this is just amazing. And I put it on Giannis. Giannis has to be the catalyst to turn this around. It's not going to be Doc. Doc is a salesman. Doc is, is a great face for your organization because a lot of times he's positive. Except the last game the Bucks played going into the All-Star break, you heard from Doc Rivers, and Doc said that a number of players that were already in Cancun and not focused on the last game that they played against Memphis. I watched that game. For the, for the Milwaukee Bucks to lose against a Memphis Grizzlies team in which there's names on that roster 
that you couldn't even name. Like, there's, I'm an NBA guy, and I can't name some of the players that's on that roster. That is a shame. That's a shame. And so it's up to Milwaukee to turn it around, but it starts with Giannis, that is for sure. Number three. The Basketball Hall of Fame finalists have been named. Vince Carter to the Hall of Fame. We're going to have Chauncey Phillips. Chauncey Phillips is the head coach for the Portland Trailblazers, and he is a finalist for the uh, uh, Hall of Fame. Also, Michael Cooper, longtime L.A. Laker. Walter Davis, a fantastic just productive score back in the day, Walter Davis, my God. Uh, Bo Ryan, Wisconsin coach. Also, Pacers owner Herb Simon over the years, Jerry West, Doug Collins. Uh, they're all going to go into the contributors category. They're all finalists. Doug Collins, could you imagine this? Doug Collins was a A-list, number one analyst for TNT for a seller analyst uh, on the network level. Doug, a terrific guy, former Bulls coach, had a lot of jobs in the NBA as a, uh, as a head coach. But let me tell you, as an analyst, one of the best I've heard in my life. So all the best to Doug Collins, an opportunity for him to go into the Hall of Fame. Okay, one other quick thing I want to mention, and that is the All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis. So Mac McClung <laughs> wins the slam dunk competition again. This is not a recording. No, he's won back-to-back slam dunk championships. Great for Mac McClung. You know he's in the G League, right? He, he plays for the Orlando Magic G League affiliate. And that's what's wrong with the, with the slam dunk competition. When you can't find enough talent, NBA talent, that's worth being in the slam dunk competition, then I don't say that you disbanded. I don't think that the slam dunk competition should be disbanded. But as I've said over the years, the slam dunk competition should not be last on All-Star Saturday. What should happen is it should be the skills competition first, the slam dunk competition second, and the three-point competition should be third. Because it's always underwhelming, the slam dunk competition. Uh, Mac McClung, who had some unique dunks I hadn't seen before, yes. But the point is, though, is that it's not the attraction it once was. No one uh, really cares about the slam dunk competition unless there are stars in the slam dunk competition. So I don't, I don't understand why that's always still a thing. That should not be last. No, it's tradition. But the three-point competition should be last to me. And um, so that, that's how I see it. And as far as All-Star Weekend is concerned, you're going to have people bitching and complaining about the All-Star game on Sunday. Can I just tell you, it, it doesn't matter. It's for the kids just to see the best of the best on the floor together. People are so concerned about defense and worried about that kind of nonsense. Like, I don't even, I'm an NBA guy. I don't even watch the entire thing because I know it's just a bunch of guys uh, shooting threes and recreating and having fun. They're doing it for the fans and doing it because of the camaraderie. But if you're looking for a serious basketball game, then, then turn on the league. Those that complain about the All-Star game do not watch the regular season when you, know, you have two good teams going after one another trying to win a game. They, they complain about the All-Star game, but they never watch the regular season. So I always give a middle finger to people like that that's just complaining just to complain. Jay Moore, thank you so much for producing the Under the Hood podcast. I just want to get this in because the second half of the NBA season is right around the corner. As always, we appreciate your love and make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. It's Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood.